Blog Talk Radio. I was looking lost, but you see that I am found. Got my Bible in my hand, cast demons to the ground. Now it's time for me to influence the people I'm around. We on Christ's side now, guarantee it's going down. And going down it is indeed. Good morning, and thank you for joining another episode of the Ask Kashab Show. This is a very important show for the edification of any spiritual prisoner whether you are knowingly a spiritual prisoner or unknowingly, um, it is strongly advised for you to take notes. Um, and also, um, for those of you that are on the Facebook page or on the Twitter page, uh, please look for the rebroadcast because this information is uh, very, very important. And uh, we want to make sure that everyone is edified uh, to the fullest extent. So if you take notes now and you miss anything, make sure you're on the Facebook page so the rebroadcast can provide you with the information that you need um, in order for you to really fully examine this topic. Now, the spiritual prisoner is uh, a, a detailed, as much as we can within two hours, uh, breakdown of the warfare and the battles and the skirmishes that happen uh, within the spirit world, and that spirit world is not the spirit world of just heaven. That spirit world is the spirit world that exists within uh, our current reality, but it's just a battle that is invisible. Now, I'm going to start this off with a, a clip. Some of you that have uh, or might have listened to any of the speeches from Malcolm X um, this is not necessarily pushing Malcolm X, but he made a very important statement. I want to play this clip uh, before we begin um, of something of a statement that he made. Check this out. When I was in prison, I read an article, and don't be shocked when I say I was in prison. He was still in prison. Still in prison. Malcolm X said, you're still in prison. He was in physical prison, and he's telling the people, don't be shocked when I say I was in prison. You're still in prison. Then he went on to say that's what America needs, prison. Now, this is not an attack against America or any particular uh, government. This is a, a manifestation of the spirit that governs a lot of the uh, governments, a lot of the people, a lot of even our own thoughts that cause us to lock ourselves into a spiritual captivity mentality. So right off the top, let me first give thanks and praise to the Most High and the Father of all, and also to the Lord and Messiah, King of Kings, who now the world knows as Christ, and whose true name will be revealed to his saints in due time. Thanks because of his love towards us in revealing such a relevant uh, piece of information in these last days for our edification and also uh, for the deliverance of those who are in spiritual prison. The information we will cover may be familiar to some, and some of you, it may be brand new. Now, we've heard of the age-old question uh, they say that people are asking, and that question is, why are we here? Well, within today's topic of the spiritual prison, we hope to shine some light on this um, age-old question and to provide answers um, so that you can know why we're here and ultimately what we're up against. Now, the picture of the victory after deliverance looks like this. So after all of this is said and done, 
because we're going to cover some things that shows where we are, and then there's an ultimate picture. And you have to see the picture in order for you to have the hope to fight forward and to achieve that, that goal. What is the picture? Revelations 21, verse 3, it says, And I heard a voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and they shall death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he sat upon the throne, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are, are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountains of the water of life freely. Now let's go back to where it says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. What is actually causing this pain? And what is actually causing the tears? What causes, what causes tears to fall from people's eyes? Pain causes tears to fall, hurt, loss, fears, frustrations, disappointments, heaviness, oppression, and more. These tears are brought on by scenarios, thoughts, people, circumstances that brings pain, hurt, loss, fears, frustration, heaviness, and oppression to the forefront. Scenarios bring that forth. So before God can wipe away all the tears from their eyes, the condition that exists has to be revealed. What is the condition that exists? Oppression. And that's uh, Ecclesiastes in the, in the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1. What does he say? So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold the tears of such as were oppressed. Many of you that tune in, you're not tuning in because everything is great and wonderful. You're tuning in because you realize that something is very wrong. And these things that are wrong, some of you cry privately. Some of you cry publicly. Some of you don't cry, you just groan. The scripture the script says you groan for the abominations that you see. So I returned again, Ecclesiastes 4.1, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter, and in the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. Now despite whoever is saying that they are comforters, these people have no comforters, we have no comforter or had no comforter because there's still tears. They had no comforter, and therefore the deliverance from oppression is not happening or has not happened. The need to endure brings out the pain in the faces. When you're enduring, that's where the pain comes in. That's where the suffering comes in. Some of us suffer quietly. Some of us suffer and complain. There's a reason for that. Now, looking towards the, the future, if we look at Isaiah 25, verse 7, 
It says, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. And that's the darkness we talked about as we covered in our discussion earlier this week, that this is not a people versus people thing. This is not a, a color versus color. This is not a church versus church thing. This is a, a spirit versus spirit thing. The spirit of good versus the spirit of evil. The seed of God versus the seed of the devil type of thing. And it's manifesting itself through the lives of people. It's manifesting itself through governments. It's manifesting itself. And so we have to see where are the manifestations and what does it mean. So in Isaiah, again, 25, 7, it says, And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. That veil is representative of darkness, uh, of ignorance, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding what the truth is. And so while that veil is over the people, they begin to suffer things and not understand why. Again, the covering is ignorance, darkness, affliction, misdirection. What is misdirection? Misdirection is defined as inaccurate aim, incorrect instructions or directions. That's the veil. Your life is supposed to be for a definitive purpose, and instead of that definitive purpose, you're filling your life with misdirection. And so the frustration comes because you're trying to uh, put a circle, you know those little toys that the children have, you're trying to, it's, there's different shapes, there's triangular, there's square, there's circle. You're trying to put a circle into a square. They say that insanity is when you do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. That creates that oppressed feeling, Okay also includes a false understanding of what life is all about. So the age-old question cannot be answered while you're in darkness, while you have the veil over. The reason why we are here and what steps that are necessary to live and what the goal is, that's defeated because of the veil. That veil is not only over a particular people. Isaiah 60 says the whole world is in darkness. So how does oppression and how does the devil and how does... Uh, these contrary to life things manifest itself. Well, they have different names, okay? Manifested in the scripture under the name death. You think you read about death, you think that means someone going into the ground. Adam and Eve received death and they were still living. When the devil tempted Eve, he said, God said that you will die, you will not die. They uh, did whatever it is, ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and didn't physically die but they died spiritually. So death is manifested. It's also called by another name called the prison, which is the name we chose to use for today's discussion. Another name is the veil. Another name is the grave. Even the pit. That's another name used. All these names are the, are the names of the oppression that brings those tears on the faces of all the people of the world. And the key holder for the pit happens to be the devil. You can't see him, but he exists. 
So how do you fight something that you can't see? Well, that's what we're hoping to discuss today, to identify and to pinpoint when he rears his ugly head so that you will understand when you're actually fighting the devil and if you are a prisoner even to your own understanding. So this lack of a comforter and the misdirection causes a mentality uh, of an invisible prison where the misdirected are uh, are comfortable by the lies. You're following a lie, a system of lies, and that creates the mental oppression that helps to maintain the lies. The mental oppression helps to maintain the lies. So, for example, I'll use a quick example. You have a house in New York City. Your mortgage is $4,000 a month. You work two jobs and neglect your children because you have a 30-year mortgage. You think that's not prison? That is prison. Isaiah 25 and 8 says he will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. And because he's spoken it, that's how it's going to go down. But the covering, this covering that we read about in verse 50, uh, Isaiah 25, verse 7, the covering, it creates a reaction. And it causes the faces of the people to change and become heavy, angry, and depressed. Why? Because the covering, the ignorance, creates uh, a series of scenarios. Let's take a look and see how the, uh, the faces of, of the devil is revealed in us. How does the oppression play out? How can you see it? The oppression, which is the actual manifestation of Satan, plays out in ignorance. That's number one. In general, even down to the basics, Okay, general ignorance, ignorance of the ability to read, ignorance to the ability to know how to write, ignorance to your own human body. Those are like basic levels of ignorance, ignorance to never having read the scriptures, ignorance to leaning on your own understanding. And then there's spiritual ignorance. And you can find that in Isaiah 60, what he called Darkness, darkness upon the face of the people, okay? Ignorance is number one. Isaiah 60, verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. So gross darkness the people, which means the people of God, and then Darkness covering the whole earth. That's on a spiritual level. So we have very basic level, self-maintenance, reading, writing, understanding your human body, and then spiritual ignorance, which is just darkness about the invisible powers that be. Are there invisible forces that are walking around in the earth? Absolutely. So how do you combat these things when they come against you? Well, like I said, we're manifesting what these things are. Ignorance. The Lord says, be not ignorant in any matter, whether it be a great or a small. So if you're ignorant of small matters, then on a spiritual level here, you're in darkness. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. 
But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. When the glory of the Lord is seen upon thee, that's when the ignorance spiritually begins. And then, of course, the, uh, the ignorance naturally, you'll have to combat that as well. Because when you are spiritually awoke, you start examining everything. You start examining things about your own human body because if your human body is, uh, is defeated, you can't do anything spiritual. For example, if you have to go and you have to teach a, a room of a thousand people, uh, but you're sick because you're you know, eating every piece of fast food out there that you can, then you're going to start examining that because the physical sickness is preventing you from your purpose. So you'll, you'll start examining that a little closer. Let's go a little further into um, this spiritual spiritual darkness or ignorance. Because remember, we're looking at how the faces of the devil is manifested. And the face of the devil is manifested, number one, we said, through ignorance. Okay? Let's look and see how this ignorance not only perpetuates through the unlearned or those that are in darkness, but it also perpetuates through the leadership. Isaiah 29. If the leadership is ignorant, what are they going to teach? Further ignorance. Further mental captivity. Okay? Isaiah 29, verse 9 says, Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. Who? Who is staggering, but not with strong drink? The ignorant. You're staggering. When someone drinks, they, they bump into things. They are not coherent. Someone tells you something out of the scriptures, and if you are not spiritually awoke, you're not coherent. You're like a drunken person. Matter of fact, some of you respond like drunken people. Wow, I don't want to hear that. Ah. You, you respond because what? You are spiritually in prison. You're spiritually infiltrated. So the important things are not important. For example, in our radio discussion or any kind of spiritual gathering, you have a very limited amount of people, but let us have a Super Bowl party or let us have a barbecue with food or let us have some kind of uh, monetary conference. You can't get enough people to say no. Because what? Most people are seduced by um, a satanic agenda through ignorance by default. So if you're not knowledgeably and deliberately uh, trying to free yourself, by default, you're automatically under the grip of the devil. There are no free agents. So we go on to say, it says, uh, again, Isaiah 29, verse 9, Stay yourselves and wonder, cry you out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, has he covered. The vision of all, which means anything you read, not just the scriptures, but in this particular is talking specifically about scripture, but not just the scriptures, the vision of all. Most people, if you ask them what the picture of their life is, they have no clue. They have no clue what the picture of their life is. All they know is that they have to get money, pay bills, and try to have a good time on the weekend. That's your life. That's death. Okay? 
It says in verse 11, the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed. So you're reading the words, but the understanding is locked away. Which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, read this, I pray thee. So you take this book to someone that's learned, maybe a pastor or maybe a friend that really knows the scriptures, or maybe someone or a brother that's been studying for 15 years or whatever the case may be. You take it and you say, read this. What is this saying? It says, and he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. See, a lot of brothers and a lot of people won't say it's sealed. They start making stuff up because pride won't let them say, you know, I don't know what it's saying. That hasn't been shown to me. And what they do know for a fact, they expound upon. See, no one wants to say, I don't know, start making stuff up. So, for example, you could go into uh, a scripture in Genesis 3.21 that speaks about coats of skin. And instead of saying coats of skin means mortality has been put on Adam and Eve, start making up skins and say, well, you know, that means that they were naked, see, and um, she didn't have any clothes on when they realized they didn't have any clothes. Stop, stop putting people in further chains. If you don't know, the scripture says, if you know not to answer your neighbor, put your hand over your mouth. Because if you don't know, you're actually perpetuating further oppression rather than freeing the people. Back again in Isaiah 29, verse 11, it says, And the vision of all is become unto you as the word of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, means the, the, the one that acknowledged his ignorance, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he says, I'm not learned. I don't know. So the people stay in prison. So number one, ignorance is the way that oppression or the devil rears his ugly head. Number two, depression. Depression is another tool of the devil. Your depression, you need this drug and that drug. Well, you take this drug, and this drug is going to uh, help you with the depression, but it's going to mess with your kidney. Then we're going to have to give you a drug for your kidney, and then, of course, that's going to affect your heart. But then you're going to get the heart medicine, and then... Um, and just keep, keep coming to see us, and next thing you know, you're on six different medications because of depression, which was actually one of Satan's little tricks to put you in a frame of mind where you feel defeated, and the word was actually the, the solution. Six drugs and X amount of hundreds of dollars later, you're still in depression and jacked up kidneys and heart. That's another tool. Another tool, social agents. These are the individuals that manifest his subliminal oppression. They don't say that. Or the prison mentality, a.k.a. the box. You know, people say, I'm out, I'm out of the box. How are you going to be out of the box and you don't know that immortality is an option? You just expanded the box. You went to the post office, you see the little box, and then you have the bigger box, and each one of them has a bigger price. Well, that's what it is also for freedom. You want to get outside of the box, it's going to cost you more and more. Malcolm X, even in one of his other speeches, he said the price of freedom is death. Some of you don't even want to accept that. So you take large boxes, meaning you have a nice big house and a nice big car and a nice big bank account, but you have 120 years if you reach that maximum. Actually, that's been cut short. 80 years if you're in good health. So if you're about 50 years old, you should be really be concerned about how much time you have left. 
social agents. These are the individuals that manifest themselves to promote the subliminal agenda. It comes in the form of parents. It comes in the form of coworkers. Come in the forms of teams. It comes in the form of uh, best friends. It comes in the forms of schools. These are the social agents that continues to push this oppressive, subliminally oppressive mentality. It's like gas. You don't see it, but you suddenly start feeling woozy, drunk. They try to bring you back into this conformity. Poverty is another way that oppression reels, reels, rears its ugly head and causes people to have those tears that we talked about. These are the things that he has to wipe away the tears from their eyes. These things are not just subject to people of color. These things are subject to the whole world. You think that people in Egypt are in an uproar because uh, they don't feel oppressed? Whether that's propaganda or not, it's just that people in the world are highly frustrated. There's a very tense environment. Okay? How do we free people from poverty? Not the prosperity gospel. Poverty is rich in spirit. Once you're rich in spirit, you could create all kinds of wealth. Okay? You could be rich in people. You could be rich in truth. How else? Does he manifest his ugly head? Sickness, diseases, how else? Environments. You're in a depressing and oppressive environment. Today we call it the hood. Okay? I remember growing up and, uh, you know, it wasn't super duper the hood, but the projects were about four or five blocks away. And I remember one time there was a man in, and he lived uh, across the street. And I remember a guy wrestled him to the floor to take his wallet, and he's screaming on the street, okay, a friend of our father's, I mean a friend, our friend's father, screaming. The environment creates an oppression. This people I, I just got to get out of here. Some of you that are in cities that you're just like, I, I just got to get out of here. I just got to go someplace. The bills are killing me. That's another form of, impre- of, of, of oppression that's creating these tears, threats of harm and violence, okay, restrictions, doubt, disappointments, addictions, lies, you know, everybody, we call it white lies, you know, we lie, and when we lie, we create an oppression for the person that we're talking to. Misinformation. If you have information that you haven't proven and you're feeding it to people because some other man told you that information and you haven't proven that information or your spirit hasn't confirmed that information, you are also one of the oppressors or a tool of the oppressor, maybe ignorantly. Money has become an oppression or the lack thereof. People think money is a deliverance. But then the guys with money says more money, more problems. But we want more money because we've been taught you get more money and all these problems are going to go away. You read about all the different celebrities who owe the taxes in the millions. This one owes this amount of millions in taxes, and that one owes this amount of millions in taxes. More money, more problems. If you have the money and the money is sitting in your account at the end of the year, you have to pay taxes on your assets. That means you need to be generating uh, business moves that are going to create additional money 
so that you can have write-offs and so that you can have a greater pro- – it's a treadmill. And, oh, don't try to not disclose what you have because then you're going to go into real prison. Misinformation, money. Relationships can even be oppressive. Okay? Some relationships, both on the male side and the female side, even children are in oppression under their parents. If their parents are two drug users, maybe they may feel oppressed as a child. If they're a child that's abused, they may feel oppressed. If their parents are ignorant, they may feel oppressed because they can't get a certain amount of access, male, female. If your woman is insecure, you may feel oppressed. A man can't make certain moves because his woman is insecure with every move he makes, so he has to spend all the time making her feel secure. Or a woman in a relationship with an abusive man. Or a woman in a relationship with a lazy man. Or a woman in a relationship with an ignorant man that wants to be the head, but he's ignorant. Oppression can come in the form of relationships, domestic violence, worldly mentality, pretentious relationships where people are pretending to love each other or pretending that their marriage fits the American dream, but they're miserable. They hate each other. But if they tell their family and their friends that the relationship is over, what kind of response is this going to be? What about the children? All of that oppression. And eventually, sometimes the oppression, uh, it gets to a maximum where people can't take it anymore. Okay? Childhood pains, the things you might have endured as a child, has created an oppression in your subconscious mind, even if you've been molested, even if you've been suppressed as a child where you can't have access to certain activities creates this mental oppression. Selfishness creates an oppression. And, of course, medication. That's not an exhaustive list. That's just a list of the things that I could think about that uh, he comes and rears his ugly head and shows himself through these scenarios and creates a I can't do that mentality or, yeah, but I have to get the medication. I have to, have to. No, I have to work three jobs, you know. I have to stay in this neighborhood because I try to go into the other neighborhood and they wouldn't let me, you know. I feel uncomfortable. I get funny stares and funny looks when I'm in this neighborhood. I can't even drive through the neighborhood without being stopped. Oppression. Those things bring to tears. Medication. Medication is an alternative fake version of freedom. To patch job. Take this and you'll feel better. Call me in the morning. Take three of these. Some people have been on medication for 10, 20 years. The minute they stop taking it, they die. Even habits is an oppression. Smokers, drug users, alcoholics. Okay? All these are Christ substitutes. These are Christ substitutes. These things that they give you are Christ substitutes and Christ alternatives because the actual freedom from oppression, which actually is disguising itself as trials and tribulations or a lack of money, the actual freedom is by following the pattern of Christ and what he did. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about freedom from death, freedom from this dead body, freedom to live an immortal life like he did. You don't believe that. 
you might as well hit X right now because that's what we're going to be talking about. You might as well hang up free to line up for someone else because that's what we're going to be talking about. Christ and the pattern of how he did it to get you real freedom. Okay? He was the first ever to defeat the invisible power of the devil and to receive that victory. Some of you know that. I know that. You know it, but you're not operating within the process of someone that has been freed from prison and in a halfway house preparing to receive an immortal body. You're not operating like that. You're operating like someone that know, but you're still in depression and oppression. If you know, you should be, yeah, I know, I'm free. I'm just waiting for my body. I'm waiting for my eternal body that's prophesied in 1 Corinthians 15, 53 to 55. It says we will all be changed. This mortal must put on immortality. So he was the first ever to defeat the invisible power of the devil and to receive the victory over death and transition back into immortality. I say back into immortality because that is our original first estate. This estate that we call life, this body, this estate is not the estate that we're supposed to be in. But what do we do? We praise it. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about someone's 50th anniversary. And I think a 50th anniversary is great, but I think a 500th anniversary is life. And a 1,000th and the 5,000th year anniversary, then we're talking. 50 years anniversary as you celebrate uh, the uh, perfection of a dead body, I understand in the grand scheme of people separating, that's good. But I don't understand as an immortal or uh, someone in a halfway house awaiting an immortal body why I should be satisfied with 50 years, why I should be satisfied with living 100 years. If I'm an immortal, I should be satisfied with only immortality. Okay, that's me. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I'm saying that's not the that's not the only destination. Check out this clip. Some of you may know it. I want you to listen very carefully. He's supposed to be Turkish. Some say he thought he was German. Nobody ever believed he was real. Nobody ever knew him or saw anybody that ever worked directly for him. But to hear Kobayashi tell that anybody could have worked for Sase, you never knew. That was his power. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Okay. That's the greatest trick the devil ever pulled. You don't think there is a devil. You're thinking that the reason you're having a problem with your woman is because of your woman. And she's thinking the problem she has with you is with you. And we're thinking that the problem that's existing in the world is because of one particular nation of people or is because of lack of money. See the source so you can put everything in perspective. Why are we up against this invisible force? Some of us have already read this scripture. I'm going to read it again, Ephesians 6 and 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're not fighting against each other. Some of us said white man, white man, white man, white man. We, listen, they too are a victim of uh what what's the what's that word of um possession as we are when you tap out become a a victim of possession 
The scripture said the devil takes them captives, whoever he will. If he wanted to take you captive, he'll take you captive. You're not free or even hearing this message because you chose it, because God chose for you to hear this message so that you could wake up. So we look at people, we have to see what really is going on. Okay, some people allow that spirit, and I do agree, to take hold, and they wallow and love it, and they receive their reward. But we have to see this thing. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Of course, yes, manifesting itself through men, manifesting itself through governments manifesting itself through particular nations. But don't forget also manifesting itself through your ignorance, manifesting itself through your acceptance of depressions and medications to deal with it, manifesting itself through you believing that money is going to be the answer. Yes, that too is the manifestation of the devil. So look at it for what it is. Don't just scapegoat. Look at it for what it is because that's what we're up against. If you're in that mentality, you're a spiritual prisoner. You don't want to be a spiritual prisoner. No one wants to acknowledge it. I was a spiritual prisoner for many years, ignorant in knowledge, ignorant to a particular way of thinking. I became a spiritual prisoner through TMI, too much information, and that information has created a mentality, and that mentality has created a lifestyle, and that lifestyle has created an oppression. It created, I can't do this because of that. And so you live your life, or I've lived my life in this oppressive mentality until, what, the light came. And we'll talk about that shortly, about the light that comes to free you from that prison. A lot of us don't want to accept it. I'm not no slave, brother. I'm free. All right. So are you going to join our discussion? Oh, no, i got to go to work. <laughs> are you free? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Who is this? Who is this spiritual wickedness in high places? Let's identify. Revelations 9 and 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue, his name, Apollyon. This force manifests itself through different nations at different times. Yes, and he does have some select people that he prefer to work through because they're carnal, easier to work through. Don't need to work too much through a body that has uh, some hope of spirituality, okay? This king, the bottomless pit is what he controls. The bottomless pit is the same parallel uh, to go with the grave that we talked about. It's the same parallel to go with death, same parallel to go with prison. All of them are synonymous. He is the king of that. He's the king of death. He rules over death. Some of you may not believe that. Okay? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. No, don't blame it on the devil. Let's blame it on this person. Blame it on my stepfather. Let's blame it on who it is. Okay. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Let me grab that really quick. I apologize for the delay. I like to be quicker than that. Hebrews 2, 
Hebrews 2.14. Listen to this. Oops. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. This is Christ when he manifested himself in the flesh, right? It says, For then as for much for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, which means we all come the same way into this earth. He also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So the devil control, he has a monopoly on death. He doesn't care what you do in this life as long as you don't defeat life. You could do whatever. You could get money. You could be poor. You could take as many medications you want. You could be super rich. You can help him bring more people into the mentality of super rich. He doesn't care what you do and how you do it as long as you do not mess with life. Don't go there. You know how we say, don't go there. Don't go there. But as long as you're doing things that further death, as long as you can blame another person for, uh, uh, for your uh, shortcomings, as long as you can misdirect people, as long as you can give people part of the truth, he's cool with that. When you start identifying where the problem is and starting to point to where the solution is, which in the solution is immortality and the mentality of immortality and the teaching of immortality and the freeing of the, of the spiritual prisoners that are under some of those things that I mentioned and other things that you may think about, when you start thinking like that and freeing people, he's going to create a problem. He's going to create a problem in your household. He's going to create a problem with your friends. I'm sure there's going to create a whole bunch of problems with uh, friends a very long time when you start talking about what the real problem is because in them is the devil, dormant. And when the truth comes out, then he reveals himself, what they call them sleeping cells, sleeper cells. Soon as you now tap into the truth, all the sleeper cells wake up. And your friend ain't your friend anymore. Okay? Because a lot of your covenants and contracts is with death. And so when you start breaking your contract with death, death starts showing itself. It don't appreciate that. Okay? So who is it? Revelations 9 and 1. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue, his name, Apollyon. He manifested himself in the Garden of Eden. How? As the opposing thought to obedience, a.k.a. the snake. He manifests himself as an opposing thought. He manifests himself in your household as an opposing thought um, to your children. Okay, guys, make sure that you finish your chores before you watch television. Everybody watching TV. Opposing thought. A man may say to his wife, I need you to um, not use this card. Use this card. Don't use this card. Don't, don't run this up because I'm trying to get my credit right. Use this card. She uses the other card and forgot. A woman, she may express to her spouse something in her past. And the thing that she expressed to her spouse or her partner in the past, Harbors in this man, he begins to treat her different. Opposing thoughts. 
You have a union with this person, but he throws these opposing thoughts. Let's look at how he did it, Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more subtile than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. You're not going to die. Come on. The Lord says, this is how things should go. Keep my laws, keep my commandments, keep my statutes. The devil said, come on. You know, the law, the law is done away with. Now, some of you that may have listened to some of my previous classes, you may say, well, Kishab, didn't you say the law is done away with? I never said the law is done away with. I said the law is to manage your mortal body. That's what I said. The law can never be done away with because when you use the term law, when I use the term law, I'm talking spirit law. You can't get rid of spirit law ever. That's why Christ said one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till law be fulfilled. The spirit law, when he tells you in John the second chapter that he will go back to the, the way it was in the beginning or in John uh, Jeremiah 6.16, which is acts for the old path, that's law, spirit law. Law is never going to be done away with. But keeping natural law and justifying yourself according to natural law and thinking you're righteous, that's going to be done away with, absolutely. Let's continue. So the devil manifests himself as an opposing thought. That opposing thought may come in the form of pleasure. God says, listen, you shouldn't be a, a whoremonger. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you know I love the ladies. That may be the opposing thought. You have to now fight that opposing thought. Temptation, that's an opposing thought. That's why the devil presents it, because he knows he can accuse you and he can make you defeat yourself. It's like a spell. If someone casts a spell on someone else, then if that person accepts that uh, spell, now I don't know how all that works, but I'm saying I remember listening to this guy, and he said uh, he, was a, he was a witch, and he said, um, the uh, 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 witch cannot cast a spell on a Christian unless the Christian accepts it. So if someone tells you, hey, you're dumb and you accept it, then you're dumb because you've accepted that spirit of being dumb. But if you reject it, if someone says, um, you're dumb, you say, listen, I rebuke that, you reject it. Okay? You have to reject those suggestions that come um, in the form of suggestive spirits. But we don't when it comes to temptation. See, when it manifested itself in the form of pleasure, we don't reject it. We justify it. So justification is, is, is another means that he traps you up. For example, some of the, uh, the, the, the women may say, you know, I deserve the very best, you know. I think I deserve the best. I work hard. I want to play hard. You play hard, but you're in debt. You justify yourself because he told you you deserve the best, but you weren't able to put that in priority to understand that if you cannot afford to get your hair and nails done every single week, then you shouldn't. But what? Vanity? We forgot to add that. Vanity. Whew, that's a huge one. I can't believe I forgot to put that. Okay? Justification. So the opposing thoughts come in the form of pleasure, temptation, justification. And the test is to see, this is his test. 
how can I make them deny the king? How can I make them deny the Lord? The thought for you needs to be in every move, how is the Lord glorified? How is the Lord glorified? I know a lot of people that don't want to glorify the Lord. They're not saying they don't want to glorify the Lord, but a lot of things that they do is for vain glory, recognition. They're not doing it to glorify the king. They're doing it to gain recognition. If that's you, you better stop because what you're doing by trying to gain recognition is that you're putting people in further prison for your own glory. You have become a tool of the devil using yourself and the desire for vain glory and the pride and the and it's not even for anything great. It's just for one or two little compliments or whatever the, the thing you get out of it. And instead of freeing the people, you're allowing the people to continuously be in tears and crying because you're getting a moment of vain glory. That justification. If the Lord is not glorified, you need to stop it. Okay? If it needs further examination, such as a scenario that is presented, and then it's not glorifying the king, you got to look at it. You got to look at it a little closer to see what is happening here. That's how you begin to identify as the devil pokes his ugly head. Okay? The devil manifests himself through people we agree. He manifests himself in Daniel's, the seventh chapter, it speaks about when he manifested himself, and there was a reason for manifesting himself. Because they knew the king had to come and manifest himself. The devil knows. The people even that he uses, they may not even know why they're doing what they're doing. But they become tools of the devil. So in Daniel chapter 7, the beast that it talked about with seven heads and ten horns was the manifestation of the devil in a, in a particular society, a particular kingdom. We're going to touch on that really quick. This is Daniel 7, verse 6. It says, After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast all had also four heads, and the dominion was given to it. Okay? And we're going to go into what that means in a few minutes. After this I saw in the night vision, and behold, a, four, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. This is a beast in a vision that was manifested in Daniel's, and this beast had seven heads and ten horns. It said it was exceedingly strong and terrible and dreadful, now, if you look at the chronological order of the history of the beast that were manifested, the four beasts that were manifested in Daniel's, they were the Babylonians, then the Persians and Medes, then Alexander the Greek, then the beast of seven heads and ten horns, which is an offshoot of Alexander's kingdom. You can check your history to see that. In other words, the Lord made it so that the history makes it undeniable who this beast was. Remember, this fourth beast had seven heads and ten horns. For some of you, this is kind of complicated. You may have to listen to this recording again, and you may have to send some questions so they can be answered. Because our goal is to free the people, okay? If you have any questions and this is not clear, we're willing to do one-on-one -on -one discussion. 
askashab at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-C-H-A-A-S-H-A-B at gmail.com if it gets too complicated. But this has to come out. The point of this part of the discussion is the devil has manifested himself through the kingdom of men. And so we can see when he's manifesting himself through kingdoms to know where this oppression is coming from. The explanation of the vision that was given in Daniel 7 and 6 and verse 7 and 6 and verse 7 is found in Daniel's 8, verse 5 and 8 all the way through 13. Okay? I'm going to read part of it. It says, And as I was considering, behold, an he goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Okay? This is another prophecy of this goat. It manifests himself as the goat. Therefore, the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones towards the four winds of heaven. When you look at history, you'll see that this goat was representative of Alexander the Great. We call him Alexander the Greek. And Alexander the Great, I say the Great so you can look him up on uh, on all of your uh, online and offline uh Encyclopedia resources. Alexander the Great was the next ruler that came after the Persians and Medes. So remember, there's four different beasts that manifest themselves: the Babylonian, the Persians and Medes, then uh, Alexander, um, and then the the Greco-Roman Empire that continued after that. Christ was born in the time of the Greco-Roman Empire. For us to say that the prophecy in Daniel and the beast with seven heads and ten horns does not represent the Greco-Roman Empire, we would have to change history. We would have to go back and put another nation in there to manifest itself as the beast with seven heads and ten horns. We can't do that. That's why Revelation 12, it says the earth helped the woman. Because when they put the lies out there, like we, we listen to, the devil is trying to sh show the world that he does not exist. You can go back into history and line it up and say, but wait a minute, this beast with seven heads and ten horns had to be the Greco-Roman Empire because Alexander the Greek uh, was the one that defeated the Persians and the Medes Empire, and there was no one else. And after that, and we're going to read another part of the history where it says that when Antiochus, who was one of the children uh, that came from Alexander's uh, generals, when Alexander died because he didn't have a son, Antiochus, it says that when he came into power, evils were multiplied in the earth. Not only was evil multiplied in the earth, but he wanted to have one world government under them. Sounds familiar? That's the oppression. The oppression is through the devil infiltrating governments and setting up an, a, a satanic agenda that is in conflict with God's kingdom. Okay, the manifestation of the uh, of the goat and the four notable horns, Daniel's eight and eight, is Alexander and Antiochus and the Greeks. Okay, therefore, verse eight, the Greek. Therefore, the goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken. Alexander died, and it came for and it came and for it came up four notable ones towards the four winds of heaven. I'm going to go back real quick because I forgot to mention this part in verse 5. 
where it says, um, and as I was considering, behold, and he goat came from the west <laughs> on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. That horn is the first horn of the beast with seven heads and ten horns. So he was the first. Then it says four notable ones, four notable what? Four notable horns came up after Alexander's death. Verse 9, and out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceedingly great towards the south and towards the east and towards the pleasant land. Towards the east and towards the pleasant land is because he went up against the children of Israel. He went up against the children of Israel to destroy them. Why? Why did he want to destroy the children of Israel? Because the devil manifesting himself through this empire knew that Christ had to come through and be born through the children of Israel. So why not destroy the whole nation? It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. He's like, I know the child is going to come forth amongst this nation. Let me wipe them out. That's why it goes on to say in verse 10, and it waxed great even to the host of heaven. The beast waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host. The host of heaven is talking about the children of Israel. The children are chosen because through that, that the children of Israel, a.k.a. the woman that it speaks about in Revelation, was the child, the firstborn child that was going to come from the dead would be born, which is Christ. And also the other firstborn, which are the sons of God, to be born. The devil's not happy about that. So what is he going to do? He's going to try to destroy the whole host of heaven and cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. When you read in the history of what happened after Alexander, you can find that, as I mentioned before in previous discussions, grab a copy of the Apocrypha because the Apocrypha has that history. That's spelled A-P-O-C-R-Y-P-H-A. When you look at that history, I'm going to read really quick what happened when Antiochus came into power. This is 1 Maccabee uh, chapter 1. I'm going to start verse 7. It says, So Alexander reigned 12 years and then died, and his servants bear rule every one in his place. When Alexander died, he was controlling most of that uh, Middle Eastern region because the Persians was controlling. So when he defeated them, you take over. And after his death, they all put crowns upon themselves and served their sons after them many years. And evils were multiplied in the earth. That's because the devil, he's coming into power through this particular nation at that time. Am I blaming the nation? I'm holding them accountable because they allowed the devil to rule through their thoughts. It was prophecy as well. Okay? At the end of the day, the Lord is in control of it all. I'm going to go into what he did, um, this Antiochus, when he came into power. And you tell me if this is not the manifestation of the devil. Uh, this is First Maccabees chapter 1, verse 41. Moreover, King Antiochus wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people. Sounds like the melting pot, right? Everybody has to be one people. We're going to have one way, one, one new world order. It's probably the old world order under the devil. And everyone shall leave his laws. Listen to the arrogance. Everyone shall leave their laws. So all the heathen agreed. All the other nations, okay, whatever. I mean, cool. You're in power. 
that everyone should leave his laws. So all the heathen agreed according to the commandments of the king. Yea, many also of the Israelites consented to his religion. See, his creating one world unto himself was considered a religion. This is for all the atheists and for all the people that believe that they don't have to believe in anything. By believing in nothing, you believe in the religion of the devil. Because there's no free agent. Yea, many also of the Israelites consented to his religion and sacrificed unto idols and profaned the Sabbath. For the king had sent letters by messengers unto Jerusalem and the cities of Judea that they should follow the strange land laws of the land and forbid burnt offerings and sacrifices and drink offerings in the temple and they, that they should profane the Sabbath and festival days and pollute the sanctuary and holy people, and set up altars and groves and chapels of idols, and sacrifice swine's flesh and unclean beasts, and that they should also leave their children uncircumcised, and make their souls abominable with all manners of uncleanness and profanation. To the end, they would forget the law and change all the ordinances, and, what, and whosoever would not do according to the commandment of the king, he said, they should die. That's how he did it back then when he manifested himself through Antiochus and through um, the Greeks. That's how he did it then. Now he just does it suggestively. Now he makes you think it's your idea. Now he makes it think that, come on, I mean, you don't have to circumcise your child and you don't, you don't have to, um, you know, keep any of the, of the, the festival days. If people died for that. And there were some people that rose up, the seed of the Most High, there are certain people that will never bend and never bow down and never break and would rather die, and those are the people that was able to continue. In this society, we'll surrender because we think by doing nothing, we're not doing anything against the powers that be. We can just lay dormant. By doing nothing, you have consented to the devil's rule. You've consented to the tears of other people. You've consented to the oppression. You have bent and you have bowed down in your spirit. You may not hit your knees to the ground, but you have bowed down because you refuse to resist. Okay? So he wanted one nation. So he manifested, the devil manifested through the rulership. And his goal, what was his goal? To create one world government under oppression. To make the oppression permanent, a.k.a. an earthly hell. If you're satisfied with that, then continue to do what you do. Okay? But if you're not satisfied with that, you're going to have to have the mentality that freedom has an ultimate price. And you have to do what is it, whatever is necessary to secure freedom. Right now, the beginning of that securing of freedom is to identify who the oppressor is and to understand his mechanics. The scriptures tell you we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. But if you're ignorant to the devil's devices, you're already defeated. And the devices we mentioned, one of them is ignorance. So in Daniel, the reason for the use of Alexander and Antiochus and that governance was to prevent the birth of the spiritual deliverer, which is Christ. They were the tool. Obviously, the devil knew the prophecy and when the deliverance was coming, and he created enough disruption to prevent it. How did he create disruption to prevent it? Let's bring this thing home. We remember... The beast with seven heads and ten horns was the manifestation of the Greco-Roman Empire. Christ was born in the Roman Empire. And they wanted to prevent his birth. 
Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. This woman is representative of the children of Israel. Some people may have a problem with why are you saying the children of Israel? Jesus loves everybody. We're not even talking about that. We're talking about who he came through. It's undeniable that Jesus Christ was a Jew. Jew because he was born of the tribe of Judah, of the children of Israel. So no offense there for anyone that doesn't want to give the nation of Israel any credit, but Christ was born through the nation of Israel. Okay? A crown of 12 stars representing the 12 tribes. And she, the woman, Israel, being with child, travailed in birth and pain to be delivered. Because Alexander and Antiochus and all of them was putting a smackdown on the people. Try to annihilate the whole nation to try to prevent the birth of the child. This was already prophesied all the way in Genesis. That there was going to be drama between the seed of the devil and the seed of the woman. This is a spiritual seed manifested through nations. I'm going to read that real quick. Genesis 3.15, this is the Lord when he's handing out the punishments for disobedience in the garden. He's saying to the devil, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. You see that? Between the devil and the woman. Enmity, spiritually. And it needs bodies to manifest. Just like that uh, movie with uh, Denzel. I forget the name of it. But that movie where Denzel Washington, um, every time they touch people, the spirits jump from person to person. Spirits need a body to manifest. You can be that body that either manifests the seed of God, or you can be that body that manifests the seed of the devil. Okay? Um, all the calls I'm going to get to you, let me just get this thought out, and I'll make sure I get to you all so you can all have your comments and interjection. Okay? So I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Enmity means war. So there was going to be war between the woman and the devil throughout all different generations. It has not stopped. There is still enmity between the seed of the devil and the seed of the Most High, the children of the Most High, the sons and daughters of God. There's still enmity. So you may be joined in a relationship, whether it's a work relationship or a personal relationship, with one of the seeds of the opposition. And that's what's causing all the strife in your relationship because your contract wasn't based on how is Christ glorified. Your contract was based on uh, she's, she's attractive, she's really pretty, um, her parents got money, or he's really cute and, you know, he looks like a, he's tall, dark, and handsome. Or whatever your criteria has nothing to do. Christ wasn't glorified. And then the spiritual seed manifests in your life and manifests in his life, and you guys are at enmity because it will always be enmity between the seed of the devil and the seed of God. There will always be enmity. So you got to examine your relationships and what you're joining yourself to, what you entering into covenants with. And then stop blaming the people. It's your decisions that caused it. Let's go back to Revelation 13 and see how this thing from Genesis is manifested now. It says, And she, verse 2, being with child, travailed in birth and pain to be delivered. Okay? The woman was in pain to be delivered. 
because, like I said, they was trying to annihilate the woman. Some of us turn around and blame uh, the children of Israel because they were wicked. They were under excruciating circumstances. They were being attacked by an invisible force. And so they were going into all different types of philosophies and all different types of idolatries and all different types of things because this nation was a nation under spiritual attack to defeat uh, the nation and prevent the birth of Christ. So you got to give a little slack, and that's where the mercy comes. The Lord's like, I, I recognize that. And I'm going to destroy. I'm going to put them into certain captivities, but I'm going to have mercy because I understand what they're going through. Let's continue. Verse 3, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. The dragon manifested himself. And what happened between the dragon and the woman? What do you think? Enmity, verse 4. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Remember, we read in Daniel, in chapter 8, verse 10, and it waxed great even to the host of heaven and cast some of them of the host of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Who was doing it? Antiochus in them. The Greeks were stamping and, and, and destroying the people of God. Not all Greeks, those guys, okay, for anyone that needs it to be specific. Those guys in power were trying to destroy God's people and stop the manifestation of the birth of Christ. I mean, it's written. I'm sorry for anyone that is offended by that. And if you're a person of Greek descent and you hear this, this is not talking about you if you believe in Christ and you're trying to clean yourself up and walk accordingly. And this is not talking about the uh, children of Israel that are disobedient. This is if the shoe fit, wear it. That's what that is. Okay? Verse 4, and his tail, the dragon, drew the third part of the stars of heaven. See how the, the scriptures call the sons of God and the children of Israel at that time call them the stars of heaven. Like you got your earthly celebrities and the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and you got stars. Well, these elect individuals are stars of heaven that's embedded in this woman. He tried to destroy them and destroyed some of them. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. That's where the enmity is. The devil wants to destroy the child as soon as the child is born, manifesting himself through Herod, as we covered in a previous discussion. Let's see how he manifested himself. Manifested himself in Herod and tried to destroy or prevent the birth of Christ. That's why uh, Joseph and Mary, they had to be on the run. Sometimes you got to be on the run for a divine purpose. If being on the run glorifies God, you got to be on the run. Okay? They had to be on the run. They were fugitives. Okay? Matthews 2, Matthew 2, verse 13, here's the manifestation. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy it. Satan manifested himself through Herod. Satan manifests themselves through Antiochus. Satan is manifesting themselves through governance uh, of today with the goal because, oh, 
Well, that was only Christ. Yeah, some people may say, well, I see the point, but that was only talking about Christ. That's not talking about anyone else. Let's look at that. Verse 13, Revelations 12, verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast onto the earth, and I'm missing a chunk of history there, because what happened is uh, when Christ came, as a matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that scripture because I want to make sure I get this, this link that shows you something here. The devil failed in stopping the birth of the child. So he's pretty pissed off. The devil failed in preventing the, the birth of the child, and he failed in his undefeated track record of selling prison. He sells prison to you, sells death. He was defeated in selling prison and preventing the birth of life, which is Christ, which is the access into life. He was defeated. If it is life, as far as this prison, this is a temporary life. He wants to sell us a temporary life. Christ came and defeated. He was defeated by Christ. John 12 and 31. What does it say? This is Christ saying. Let's start from verse 30. Jesus answered and said, this voice come not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. So he defeated this devil temporarily. That's the bruise when you go back into Genesis 3 and 15 when it says that it, Christ, shall bruise uh, thy head because Christ bruised the, the head of the devil. Bruised him. Shut him down for what? thousand years. And what happened? Came back after the thousand years. What's called the little season. Okay? But in uh, Christ dying and getting the victory over death, he defeated Satan temporarily, but he showed us the access. This is how you can do it. So now we could go back into Revelations and see what happened. Let's go to verse Revelations 12 and 12. It says, therefore rejoice, you heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Why? Because whoever from the time of Christ that has awoken and are reserved in heaven for that great day when he does what I call the family reunion, uniting all the sons of God in heaven and all the sons of God on earth, which represents the 144,000 elect future rulers of the world, when he unites that body, then it's going to be fully done. Then you're going to be fully transformed and changed. Right now, you're in a halfway house. But those people who have died or have lived a life in Christ and are reserved, they're good. But we on earth, we ain't good yet because <laughs> we still have things to go through. How are you going to know what you're going through if you can't see it, if you don't understand it? It says, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Last time I checked, you're on earth, I'm on earth. If you're calling in here, you're on earth, unless you're an angel, just listening in. Okay? Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. He's pissed off. This goes with Revelations chapter 20, when it says, is it 20? Bear with me one second. Let me just make sure. Uh, 
Yeah. Revelations 20. This is shown when he was shut down, when Christ said he was defeated. It says, and he laid hold on the dragon, Revelations 20, verse 2. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. This is a little season that he's been loosed. That's the short time that it's talking about in Revelation 12, verse 12, that he has a short time. That short time is right now. And that explains the tears. That explains the oppression. That explains slavery. That explains uh, financial turmoil. That explains people like the guy in New York City that killed four people, stabbed his stepfather, took his mother's Lexus, stabbed his so-called ex-girlfriend, stabbed her mother, uh, ran into a pedestrian, ran one over, cut a guy that uh, tried to jump out the car because he rear-ended him. Slash this one, slash that one. <laughs> you mean to tell me that's normal? You mean to tell me that it's normal right now for 10-year-olds to kill their parents? You mean to tell me it's normal for a man to kill his twins and his woman because of financial hardship? You mean to tell me you can't see that the devil has a short time and he is running ballistic in the earth? Someone needs to break that down for you. Look at it. It's right in front of your face. Even your thoughts and your doubts, even some that are sitting in doubt right now because, no, that's not it. It's not the devil. It's my woman. It's not the devil. It's because I don't have the money. It's a spiritual warfare. We just read here. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast onto the earth, he persecuted the woman, which is the rest of the residue of the children of Israel, which brought forth the man-child. The woman represents the children of Israel that brought forth Christ. He's like, okay, I didn't get him. I'm going to get the rest of y'all. You can't have 144,000 if I destroy the rest of y'all. So I'm going to stop prophecy. That's why the scriptures tell you he shall wear down the saints of the Most High. It will wear you down. Your own thoughts, your own doubts, your own family. Those things are how he manifests himself through oppression, through a mental oppression. Okay? Let's go down to verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman. Remember Genesis, they shall be enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you're not trying to keep the commandments, the spiritual commandments or the natural commandments, the natural being a rehearsal of your flesh and the spiritual commandments, meaning a true conscience towards those things you're doing. So, for example, if you're keeping the Sabbath day, but your heart is uh, thinking about some kind of pornographic uh, uh, material, then your body is keeping the Sabbath, but your spirit is not. Okay? Anything along those lines that you're doing that is in conflict with a true, clean conscience, but your actions look even that. You're not one of the seed. 
You're just an actor or an actress. Why do I say that? Let's check this out. This is John. Here's the standard and stipulation. Because remember, everything we have to go now is by standard and proof. The standard is in the scriptures. The proof is you manifesting it in deed and in sincerity and in truth. Not just action. So a lot of us, the, like we talked about, the justification, you justifying yourself, you're keeping the works of the law, you look great in front of men, but in your heart you got some corruption and you're not addressing it. How is that? Who are you fooling, Christ or yourself? You're fooling the people around you, but you're not fooling him. We all have to address that. I have to address that so I can answer with a clean conscience toward the king. Okay? So as I'm reading this information out to you all, I have to be cut. I'm cut by it because I understand the standard is greater than where I am. And you have to recognize that, that the standard is greater than where you are so you have something to work towards. What are we working towards? We want to free ourselves from all the binds of the devil. We want to free ourselves from all the way he has us tied up and he has us in oppression so that we can be free, true immortals in spirit and in truth, serving God. Here's the standard, 1 John chapter 3. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Isn't that an honor? And isn't that some love? Therefore, the world knoweth not because it knew him not. Because the world, remember, most of them is under a satanic influence. How do I know that? How can I say that? I'm making these general statements. It's important that I prove everything. The world is under a satanic influence. Here's the proof. Revelation 13, we read, and I saw, um, I'm sorry, and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority, speaking about the Greco-Roman Empire. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. That's when Christ defeated the devil for a thousand years. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wandered after the beast. So when, the, when he was loose for the little season, a.k.a. right now, all the world wandered after him. Verse 6. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, like today, through all of the contrary op uh, opposing views of God and his tabernacle, talking about heaven. There's no heaven. And them that dwell in heaven, making no account for the lives of the men uh, and women that have died for the word of God, as if this Bible is a myth. Okay? And it was given him to make war with the saints. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to fight. There's going to be a physical battle. We call it Armageddon. That's what he's gathering these nations together for. And I will give unto him, and it was given unto him, verse 7, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. So the majority is going to be in a satanic frame of mind. And the minority is going to be those trying to seek after immortality in life, a.k.a. the sons and daughters of God. There's different levels for sons and daughters. There's the elect sons. There's the regular sons. There's the ones that become sons through being taught. Okay? That's another discussion. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life 
and of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The only people that will not wander after the beast are those whose names are written in the book of life. The rest of them are going to be Satan'd down from head to toe, justified in doing his satanic agenda and acting like if it's free will. Free will is the difference between choosing life and choosing death. Who chooses death knowingly? You see? The people that are choosing death, if someone knew that today they chose death and tomorrow they would die, they wouldn't choose death. They just choose in death the concept because they don't see consequences uh, coming soon as they choose death. Again, we're back in 1 John 3. It says, Behold what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world know us not because they knew him not. As I said, because the world is under Satan's grip. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. Like We don't know what type of form this immortal body is going to look like, okay? They try to manifest it in, like, uh, the Matrix when Neo finally believed and he changed and he became looking like some kind of computer board, <laughs> okay? We don't know. We know it's going to be better than this, and we know it won't die. It says, it does not yet manifest, appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, that's the family reunion I'm talking about, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Let's go down to verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, which is Christ, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And guess what? The rest of the sons, the other firstborn, that are born in this kingdom to the acknowledgement and the realization that immortality is real and that that's our purpose. Remember, we answered the age-old question, why are we here? We're here for us to become immortals like we were once were. We're here to manifest the sons of God and the daughters of God and the children of God and the truth. That's why we're here. And while we're doing that, we're also doing what? manifesting the sons of the devil and the children of the devil through their actions. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed. The same seed that was referred to in Genesis 3.15 remains in him. Because that seed, that spiritual seed is going to go from generation to generation to generation and in each generation, those that are stubborn for God and for the invisible God that, that we don't see but we know is real because he's manifested in us, he's manifested in the things that we do and will do, okay? That's how you see the seed, through the people. It says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifested, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So if you don't have love for your brother and you have all kinds of animosity towards your brother, I'm not talking about brother of the flesh, I'm talking about the seed. If you have animosity towards the seed because it doesn't jive with information you was taught, it, it doesn't jive with what you feel and what you think, and you can't come and talk to your brother and get some kind of clarity, and you're backbiting and all that, 
then you are not the seed of God. You're the seed of the devil because you're manifesting yourself. It's really that simple. In this, the children of God are manifesting the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. See, he manifested himself through Cain and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why did he slay him? Because his own works was evil and his brother's righteous. That's some ancient hating right there. He wanted to kill his brother because his brother manifested the, the light and the, the righteousness of God, and his didn't. So we already prepared for some of the gainsayers to want to try that. Okay? We're not going to go that easy, though. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Some of you want everybody to love you. I just don't understand why my brother hates me. Maybe because your brother uh, is manifesting the other side and you're not. And you should be okay with that. You should be able to let that go. Okay? Because Cain and Abel were natural brothers. And one manifested the seed of God and one manifested the seed of the devil. So it's obviously not a biological thing. Okay? It's a spiritual thing. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death onto life. And that's the goal. That's the purpose of this conversation. We're freeing the oppression through the truth so that we can go from death from a dead mentality, from the grave, from the pit, into life, immortality. We know that we have passed from death onto life because we love the brethren. This is the way of manifesting that you are son of God, the love you have for the children of God and your brothers. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You're still dead. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And we know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever has this world's goods and see his brother having need, because remember, we manifested all the attributes of oppression. So here we have it. Ignorance, depression, social agents, poverty, sickness, environments, threats of harm and violence, restrictions, doubts. Disappointments, addictions, lies, misinformation, money, relationship woes, childhood pains, selfishness, medication. And in your mouth is life and truth, and you refuse to give that to your brother. All you can manifest is what's wrong with our people. Then you are a perpetuation of hatred towards your brother because you're supposed to be freeing him, not tying him up. Okay? Whoso have this world's good to see his brother have need. Shutteth up his bowel of compassion for him. How dwell the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You can say what you want. You can read that. Yeah, you know, the Most High says that we should manifest the love for our... Okay, all right. Wait for it. Okay? If you are just pushing law and just pushing information and pushing oppression... Your ministration is the ministration of death. Paul made this very clear in 1 Corinthians 3 that we're graduating from natural law uh, obedience only into spirit law obedience. And we're manifesting from the ministration of death, which means we're talking about dead things and an oppressive mentality into the ministration of life. Let's take a look at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
Now, now that we, now, not that we, verse 5, are sufficient of ourselves to think any things of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. You know, for for example, this information, when this information was revealed to me, I had to go through and talk to uh, to, to people that uh, I could throw this out to before I brought this information out. Not that here's a piece of information. This is going to give me some vainglory. Oh, look, the Lord is dealing with me. No, look, I'm seeing something, and I want to cross-examine this information uh, so that others can weigh in and make sure that I'm not going off the deep end. Okay? And I'm not because it's proven itself through the way the impact has had on the lives of people being freed from that spiritual prison. Okay? Verse 6, who has also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter. Now, this is not saying just read the New Testament, don't read the Old. That's not what it's talking about. Because Christ told you that he doesn't write a new commandment, but he writes the commandment which you heard from the beginning. So obviously you have to go back to the beginning. But what's at the beginning? Spirit law. Adam was under spirit law. Then Moses manifested natural law. And Christ is saying, I'm taking you back to the beginning where spirit law was. That's what I'm saying. So we're not talking about the letter of the law, but the spirit of it. For the letter killeth, but the spirit give life or freedom. We're talking about life, which is freedom from spiritual prison. Okay? But if the ministration of death, which is what? The written law that was given to Moses and the children of Israel, it wasn't that the law itself was dead. The law is life. But when he was telling them that law, it was only for the management of this body so that you can get to life. Because life wasn't manifested when the first tabernacle was standing. It tells you that in Hebrews 8. Life wasn't yet manifested. The way into life was not yet made manifest till Christ. And when Christ came, then he manifested the way to life. Okay? So it says, but if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, which is the commandments, was glorious... That was pretty glorious. Saw the whole smoke coming down into the into the holies of the mall and all of that. You know, there was power there. But that wasn't the end of it. But if the ministration of death written and engraved in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, they couldn't even look at Moses' face because the glory of him going and being in the presence of God and getting these commandments was glorious. If that was glorious, for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. The done away is not do away with the law and there's no law. The done away with the natural law is you got to go back to the origin. Okay? How shall not the ministration, this is verse 8, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 8. How shall not the ministration of the spirit be rather glorious? And that's what we're talking about. Ministration of the Spirit, giving people real life. Okay? Verse 9. For if the ministration of condemnation, if thou do this, thou shalt die. If thou do this on this day, you shall perish. If you do this, you're going to die. That's what we were talking about. You don't want to do that because you're going to make God mad. He's going to kill you. Oh, you can't do that and you can't. You can't. You can't. All the can'ts. Okay? For if the ministration of condemnation be glorious, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious, 
which was the written law, has no glory in this respect. By the glory, by the reason of the glory that excelleth. The glory of true life excelleth the glory of uh, imitation of life. The law is a shadow of the holy thing. The tabernacle that was built is a shadow of the real thing, not the real thing itself. For if that which is done away with was glorious, check this out, much more that which remain is glorious. It is saying that which comes in after is glorious. It's saying if that which was done away with was glorious, which is the written law, much more that which remain is glorious because the written law is an offshoot of the spirit law. So when you take away the written law, you still have the spirit law. People are going to either graduate to that level or they're not. And their graduation is predestined or it isn't. So it doesn't even have to force this down anybody's throat. If it's meant for them to be um, enlightened to that, they will. And if it's not, then they won't. Okay? Let me see if there's anything else, and then I'm going to open up the lines. I know many people have uh, things that they want to say. Okay. So in closing, I says, um, first Peter's, okay, well, we did, we did John that shows that now is the judgment of this world, so now shall the prince of this world be cast out. We touched on that, okay? Uh, with the prison guard, which is Apollyon, remember Revelation 9, uh, that said that um, he is the king of the bottomless pit. He would cast out the prisoners now, since they're casting out back then, can be freed. The way to life was made manifest through Christ. The prisoners can be freed from the darkness and ignorance of a temporary life. That's part of it. Oh, I got to at least do this before I die. I'm just getting old. Some of the women, your 40s and your 50s, I just feel like, you know, by, by this stage in my life, I should have been here. Or some of the men, you start going through mid-age crisis, start seeing the gray hairs coming in. You start seeing you're losing hair. You start seeing that certain things you wanted to do in your life it isn't manifest. You're on a treadmill trying to fulfill all you can before you die instead of trying to fulfill life before you die. Because when you fulfill life, you don't die. So the prisoner can be freed from the darkness and ignorance of a temporary life, darkness of purpose, and also fulfilling the understanding of why we're here. That's going to be revealed. And this is confirmed in 1 Peter 3 and 18. And Christ says, for Christ also has once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Verse 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. He wasn't going into the spirits in the physical prison, like some of these prison ministries. He was going to the people who were trapped in a temporary mentality, who were trapped under depression, who were trapped under spiritual intervention um, of demons on them, who were trapped in ignorance. That's who he was preaching to, and that's who we have to preach to. Also in Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The Messiah came, gathered his team, and also empowered his team, which is the disciples, to do as uh, we're supposed to do. And when he was with them, he told them this. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me, because I live, ye shall live also. 
At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. What was that day? That was the day of Pentecost, Acts the second chapter, when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples. That was the releasing of the darkness. That was the releasing of the darkness that was put on from generations all the way from prophecy in Isaiah, all the way from prophecy in Isaiah 29, all the way from prophecy in Isaiah 60. That darkness that was upon the earth was released after Christ's death by him gathering his team, the disciples, putting the Holy Spirit in them, and then the word of God abounded. That's why you have Christians today. And even in what they call themselves as Christian, they have been infiltrated and diverted from what the whole purpose of being a Christian is. You're supposed to be freed from death. You got Christians in a prosperity gospel. How are you free from death and you think that the way to life is prosperity and then you're going to have a nice shiny casket? If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be living immortally. But they've been mis misdirected again. Okay? So he gathered his team. He put the Holy Spirit in his team. Remember, when we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it said what? There was no comforter. And that's why the tears is in the eyes of the people. Okay? You have men saying that they're the comforters. We rebuke that. You're not a comforter if the people still have tears in their eyes. If the people in your own body has tears in their eyes, if you're causing tears amongst the brothers and sisters here, that, you're not a comforter. You're not comforting anybody but your wallet. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1, I'm just taking you back here for memory's sake. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter, and on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. Now, through the Holy Spirit manifested in Christ's team, the disciples, and manifesting in the last days through the sons of God, here comes the comfort now. And here comes the removing of the tears, because the freedom... The freedom from a temporary life is being revealed. The comfort that came in the form of the Holy Spirit and the disciples, and this is Acts again. You can read Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Hence the baptism into life through ending the darkness of ignorance. The critical marker is the freeing up of the prisoners, those in symbolic graves, a.k.a. the pit, a.k.a. the ministration of death, we have to free ourselves from all that. And any of you teachers out there, make sure you're freeing the people. You don't want to give people 25% of the truth if the truth is, well, Jesus Christ is black. If the truth is that we're the children of Israel. If that's the truth, then they're still dead knowing that. Okay, Jesus Christ is black, and you're going to get a nice, shiny casket in about another hmm, 20, 30 years. That's not life. It's true. Those things are true. Because the scriptures say it, but truth and liberty and freedom is what we're here uh, for us to bring, okay? Because we need to defeat the devil and the tears that are upon all the eyes of the people. So I'm going to read one more scripture, Isaiah chapter 25 again and 7. It says, he will destroy in his mountain." The face of the covering cast over all people, and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off the earth, for the Lord has spoken it, and so his servants will also speak it.
We're going to open up the lines. We have a call from a 646 number. Caller, thanks for being patient. Did you have a question? Did you have a comment on anything that was said? Yeah, I just wanted to read Isaiah. Very um, good speaking you did there. Isaiah 42 and 22. But this is the people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey, and none fair deliver. Therefore, spoil, and none fair restore. Now, you can put the blacks and Puerto Ricans and Indians and Mexicans' face right on that scripture. It's a prophecy of us in these jails. We are 12% of this, this population in this plantation nation but well, 42% of us are in these prisons. And when the prisons of our minds, prisons of our spirits, this is scientific conditioning, a mental prison wall. You know, we may think we are done with slavery, but slavery is not done with us. We still live in a system defined by slavery, a construct, a program. It's a process to making a slave. There's also a process to free a slave. So we can't sit back and think that we are in a world that the Lord blessed. Satan has taken the Bible and used it against us, our own weapon against us. He's made hell look good. And now he gives us all these little toys and, and distractions, you know, to make us think that we're blessed. We've accepted the crumbs of progress as blessings when the whole bread of our life, our true life, eternal life, we deny that, okay, and we think that it's something that can't be attained. You know, and when you go to prison, you know, you when you, you come out, you leave your prison number in there. You go back to real life. So now we say we're free, but we're still holding on to the prison names, the prison number, prison clothes, prison language. We're not free, okay? You're, you're like a dog that's been trained now with a chain. Now you've been trained, so now you can run around the backyard, run around the neighborhood, but you're going to come right back home to your master. So we're not free. Okay, a prisoner, a man who knows, a man or woman who knows is a prisoner, can never be happy, okay, in, as long as you know we're in prison. A prisoner is never happy no matter how pretty the slave master makes the prisoner. So we have to come out of this, and we can't be proud of Obama that the prison master put the smartest, smoothest talking slave over the masses plantation nation. That's no glory to me. That's, this is no progress to me. This, there's not going to be no change in that. I bet a million dollars that in four years or eight years, there will be no change. And I correct that. There will be change, but it's not going to be for the good of us. Okay? Right. So don't look, don't look to this world as God blessed America. Okay? There's, there's been many devils over us. Egyptians, Persians, righteousness works through the good and, and evil works through all people, too. So we have to look at the major devil, the day that's over us, okay? And the devil is amongst us. We must fight for righteousness in its pure form and only through Christ. The black Jesus can we find that direct link. Because all the knowledges are not acknowledging the scripture I just read. I don't care what you deal with religions. They're not acknowledging the plight of the blacks and American and Indians. And what is our future? How are we going to get out of this? Okay, the Bible's the only book that that clearly addresses the plight of our people. 
Okay. All right, caller. Thank you for your comment. Let me get another caller in here. Caller 954, area code. Did you have a comment? Caller 954, area code. Are you muted? Okay. I'm going to come back to you, caller. Mafia, are you there? Do you have any comments on anything that was brought up? I would like to hear your point of view. Con, I'm here. Um, it's going, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, just tying it in with the original um, topic, you know, to try to, of course, I always try to make, make everything simple in my mind while I'm listening. But just coming right. back to the simplicity of it, um, I think people have to understand the difference in freedom from and freedom in. And when I think of anything dealing with spiritual, anything dealing with Christ, that freedom in is what what keeps me going. That freedom in is having that peace, that love, that joy. That's the freedom in. The definition that the world gives us of freedom is a freedom from. Like if you're getting uh, freedom from a prison or when Israel was even um, set free from the, the slave owners, that was a physical freedom from. But the salvation is going to come from the freedom in. So that's a whole other topic in understanding the difference between freedom from and freedom in and just understanding freedom. So I said that's a whole other topic. Just get to the basis of understanding that. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Well, thank you for your comment. I'm going to try to get back to the caller from the 954. Caller 954, your code, giving you another chance to uh, express anything. Uh, 954-297 is your number. Do you have a comment? Hand is raised. Okay. All right. If anyone else has any comments, 424-220-1850, this is the time uh, to express it. Uh, you know, whether you're in agreement or disagreement, um, it would be good to, to hear your point of view. Um, we have about nine minutes left, and I'd like to open that up for anyone that has uh, anything to say regarding to that uh, topic of the spiritual prisoner. Um, so I'll give that a few seconds. If not, I'll just add on um, a couple other pieces um, that I, I, I stopped just so that I can uh, open up the channels because I saw some of the hands were up uh, for quite some time. So again, 424-220-1850. Uh, on the topic of the spiritual prisoner, if anyone has anything to add, also we have the chat room. Uh, you can feel free to put a question in there if you're shy. Um, so I did can, have... Um, okay, go ahead, Amati. I was just saying one other thing in your list of things of, of how the devil shows himself. One thing that we didn't mention was fear, and that's a big mm-hmm. Fear on all types yep. of levels that people have to deal with. So that that itself could go into a whole other class, but I just wanted to add uh, fear to that list. Yeah, and that's good because I I should have had that on there because that is big. Um, So, again, we have ignorance, we have depression, social agents, poverty, sickness in your environment, threats of harm and violence, restrictions, doubt, disappointments, addictions, lies, misinformation, money, relationships, childhood pains, selfishness, medications, fear, vanity, 
Remember that part in the movie where um, in The Devil's Advocate where he says, vanity, that's my, that's my favorite sin. Because what does he do? He, he makes you the weapon. And your glory, he makes the weapon and uses you against your own self. That is, that is heavy for an entity to present something to you um, that is yourself. And you swallow it because you get vainglory. Okay? I need to play that clip again uh, to see how this trick is played. Let me play that clip one more time uh, for some of you that have missed it. Check it out. He's supposed to be Turkish. Some say he thought he was German. Nobody ever believed he was real. Nobody ever knew him or saw anybody that ever worked directly for him. But to hear Kobayashi tell that anybody could have worked for Sase, you never knew. That was his power. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. All right. And that's still a trick that he's pulling uh, to this day. Okay? Or in the words, in the words of, of Malcolm X, as we started out the discussion. Okay? Some of you are still in prison because... The devil presented you with a scenario, you know what, it works for you, and you're fine with that. Just don't ruffle your feathers. When I was in prison, I read an article, and don't be shocked when I say I was in prison. You're still in prison. Okay. A lot of you still in prison. And so we hope that through this discussion, uh, at least it shines some light on the, on the shackles that can free you. All right. I'm going to go down the line for any closing comments. Um, start from 646 caller. Uh, go ahead and if you have any closing comments for any of the audience, anything you'd like to leave as an impression within this topic, call the line 646. Any closing comments? I'll just leave Zechariah 9, 11, and 12. As for thee also, by the blood of the covenant, as Yahweh's death on the cross, I have sent forth the prisoners out of the pit where there is no water. Turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. So we have a great hope to look for. Also read Jeremiah 2.14. Is Israel slaves? Okay, are we homeborn slaves? Why are we spoiled? We have to begin to question why, how we got in this condition. And we can't wait for the white man for our blessings. We've been waiting 400 years. And we're still marching and singing and dancing and hoping this white man is going to, you know, go live like the Jetsons and, and Star, Star Trek. And, you know, how's this man going to go where no man has gone before when he doesn't respect where he come from and doesn't care about where he at? So we have to look to the creator of all things, okay, to manifest. And when he said he's going to manifest, and we see the signs around the world, all insurrections of the government, people are mad in Tunisia and all around the world, in Egypt, all that's coming here because all that's being, all the depression's coming from here. And we have to get our minds and souls and spirits ready for it. We may not be living in ancient times, but ancient times lives in us. And we have to keep that in mind that what goes around comes around. And we have to look at this thing spiritually and at the signs. We see all the signs of something's about to go down. And Christ is the okay. only way out of this thing. And truth 
is only way out of this thing. You got to realize the God within us that 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 comes from from the outer world and will manifest His new world order to this world. All right, caller, thank you as well for your comment. Caller nine five four area code. Did you have any closing comments or anything you'd like to leave with the audience? Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to leave something with the audience. This is Isaiah chapter. 14:12. This is the end of Satan's rule. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did weaken nations, that made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? And the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, everyone in his own house. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch. And as the, rem the remains of those that are slain, the thrust through with the sword. And go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden under feet. Thou shalt not be joined with them in burial. Because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people, the seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. Prepare slaughter for his children, for the iniquities of the fathers, that they do not rise, nor possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. For I will rise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and son and nephew, saith the Lord. And I will make it a possession for the bittern and pools of water, and I will sweep it with the besom of destruction, saith the Lord of hosts. And that's the future for the devil and those that allow him to rule through them. So with that, I say thank you again for joining another episode. I pray that this discussion was edifying. If you'd like a rebroadcast, please make sure you follow me on Facebook at askkashab at gmail.com. Also on Twitter, the ad symbol, askkashab. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And we will see you again Monday, Lord willing. When I was in prison, I read an article in Don't be shocked when I said I was in prison. You still in prison. Lord, but you see that I am found Got my Bible in my hand Cast demons to the ground Now it's time for me to influence the people I'm around We on Christ's side now Guarantee it's going down